For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. Happy weekend, everyone. Hope you're all doing well out there. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Incline, your favorite Dodgers podcast, I hope. Two-man pod today. This is Kevin Klein. Today, it's Jake Reiner and myself. So let's start the show off. The Dodgers, they're 81-48. and They just dropped a game to the Colorado Rockies. No need to stress because the Dodgers have been playing well in the month of August. They're 18-5. and That's one of the best there is right now in that month. They're still two and a half games Behind the San Francisco Giants, though, who just lost a game to the Atlanta Braves. Jake, let's start there. Can the Dodgers catch these Giants? Well, what we've been saying this whole time, Kevin, is that they needed to go on a kind of a spectacular run to to uh, to make the, you know, to lessen the gap between the Dodgers and the Giants. And they pretty much have done that. And I think they can continue to do that. They're going to need to. The only problem is that the Giants are winning as well. They have a pretty good record over that span you just mentioned. And so it's been a lot difficult now. I mean, it's been, it's been very difficult. So what, you know, what we have seen is that the Dodgers at one point were kind of stuck at five games back and four games back. They were kind of going back and forth between those uh, two numbers, but they have been able to cut it to two and a half games, which is significant. Um, it's just unfortunate because it feels like each time the Dodgers, uh, each time the Giants lose, which is rare, the Dodgers also lose, even though they did pick up a couple of games. So they're just going to have to keep grinding. I mean, you know, technically speaking, I mean, mathematically speaking, every game is not a must win, um, but it certainly feels that way because the Giants are miraculously just that good. And the other problem is, is the fact that the Dodgers have the second best record in the majors. And yet they're two and a half, they're two and a half games out of first place. They're 10 and a half games up in the wild card. It just seems like, I mean, obviously we know if they were in any other division, they'd be running away with it. Yeah. So the Dodgers, this is the series everyone wants to hear about. Coming into Petco Park, the Dodgers were trailing the series deficit on the season, three games to seven. And I believe the last time the Dodgers played the Padres, the Padres swept the Dodgers. Was the venue, was that at Petco or was that at Dodger Stadium? Uh, I believe it was at Dodger Stadium. So there was a lot of, there was a lot riding on this series because one, we just talked about the Dodgers were trailing the Giants and the Giants were playing the New York Mets who are now a bad team. And of course, what do the Giants do? They sweep the New York Mets. Thankfully, the Dodgers showed up that series, and they put the Padres in their place. 
And I mean it because the Dodgers in over those three games scored 14 runs. Now there was one extra inning game, which we'll talk about. Meanwhile, the Padres over those three games only managed to score five runs and they only had 10 hits while the Dodgers themselves had 14 runs. And we'll start with the, the reason I think the Padres lost and it's their big three, Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado and Jake Cronenworth. Tatis Jr. Went, oh, went one for 14 with seven strikeouts. He had one big home run off Canable in the extra inning game. Manny Machado, he went one for 12. And Jake Cronenworth, also an all-star, went 0 for 11. Yeah, and also their other all-star that they acquired, Adam Frazier, was awful. Yeah, so, so they, they didn't get any help from anybody else. But I think I think the key throughout this, this stretch, the, the run that the Dodgers have been on, because their offense really hasn't changed that much in terms of its consistency one night they could go off and score 15 runs and then the next night they scored one or two runs it just it just hasn't gotten that momentum that we've wanted to see from them and the biggest reason why the Dodgers are or have been able to win these games is because of their pitching whether you look at the starting pitching whether it's Urias Bueller Scherzer those guys are lights out but the guys making spot starts Mitch White uh, Andre Jackson we saw the other night these guys have really stepped up and not only that the bullpen has been elite and that extra inning game. I think uh, our colleague uh, David Rosenthal pointed this out. The bullpen had a stretch of nine innings in that game where they threw essentially a combined no hitter. So that's one of the biggest reasons why the Dodgers have been on this run and they were able to sweep San Diego. Yeah, absolutely. Over the last 15 games for the Dodgers, their bullpen, a two ERA, the team itself in the month of August has a 2.204 ERA, both the best in Major League Baseball. And yeah, that extra inning game, which is probably the standout game in this series, just because it went to 16 innings. There had not been a game that long since dating back to 2019. And of course, in the extra inning rule era, there hadn't been a situation where we went four innings where the runner starts on second and no team has managed to score. Now, you could point out that that's kind of atrocious because both these teams had great opportunities with runners in scoring position, and I mean that because the Dodgers went 5-for-27 in that game. Meanwhile, the Padres, the home team, went 2-for-22. Yeah, and all they needed to do in a couple of those situations, if you're talking about the Padres, is just push one run across, and that's it because the Dodgers weren't scoring. And then it seemed like as soon as the Dodgers started to score, then the Padres woke up. And that's when you, you know, you were talking about that Fernando Tatis home run off of Canable. That's kind of, that kind of what settled the score. And then AJ Pollock who has been hotter than, you know, the sun essentially is, you know, came through once again with a huge two run Homer, but the, but the, that game, that was an insane game. I watched it. Um, I'm on vacation right now on the East coast and I, and I stayed up. All, you know, 16 innings. I was there till 4 a.m. I think the last out came at 3.59 Eastern time. Um, and it was it was incredible. There were a few moments where I thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pack it in, whatever. Like, if the Dodgers lose, I'm going to be upset that I stayed up this long. But I don't know. Something was telling me to just, just stay, stick with it, stick with it. And then eventually the Dodgers did win that game. But I did find it uh, interesting to point out real quick is that you know, the Dodgers have been awful in extra inning games. They've only won four and two of the four have come against the Padres and the other win against the Padres is in the beginning of the season. And similarly Dodgers, the Dodgers bullpen was just unbelievable with basically walking the tightest of ropes, um, being able to get out of these jams and not 
allow the Padres to score. They, I don't know what has come over them in those games, but they just were not giving up a run at all. It's crazy because the Dodgers actually used their entire bullpen in that game. They used all nine relievers. And I just thought of this a few minutes before we went live. The Padres, they actually pitched a bullpen game the day before us. And I wonder how much of a trinkle down effect that actually had in the next game. Definitely. Because they had to go to Daniel Camarena in the 15th and 16th inning. And that was the guy who essentially lost the game for them. And that's kind of just kind of what we've been preaching all season, why these bullpen games can get costly because you just never know what will happen the next day. If the Padres didn't go bullpen game, maybe they are more fresh and they're able to use Emilio Pagan and um, their opener Pierce, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pierce Johnson. And, I mean, you think, you think for the Dodgers, they started Walker Bueller and he pitched really well, well enough to win. And the only run that came across under his belt was unearned. And it was by an error by Trey Turner that, uh, you know, eventually the run came around to score on like a, on several ground outs uh, that run came home. And then it was like a little dribbler down the third baseline that allowed that run to score. And I felt terrible for him because Walker Bueller, man, and he just doesn't get any run support. So yeah, it did turn into a bullpen game. It's why I hate bullpen games because that this is, these are the moments that you need your bullpen to be fresh, but you know, the Dodgers and embarrassment of riches had Scherzer going the next day. And he went, what did he go? Eight innings or something like that. Um, he was, he was on fire. It was like seven or eight innings. Or yeah, something we'll, like talk, that. we'll talk about Scherzer in a couple minutes as well, but you're right. Walker Buehler, he went six and two thirds innings, eight strikeouts, zero earned runs, 202 ERA now in the national league, which is a league best, obviously the leading candidate to win that Cy Young. We've been kind of hitting the, we've been beating that dead horse, to death now sorry for the reiteration there but my point is everyone knows bueller unless you're on the east coast he should win the cy young barring a meltdown he should have four or five starts left on the season meanwhile on the flip side we also have to talk about blake snell was the starter for the padres and he just was destroying the dodgers owned us he owned them he pitched a career high 122 pitches and this is where i think things went went wrong for the padres Unlike Kevin Cash, who had a quick hook on Blake Snell in the World Series, it seemed like Jace Tingler left Snell in just a little too long. I think we were all surprised that he went back out there in the eighth inning. And what happens? Will Smith hits a game-tying home run on pitch 115 or 116 off Snell. And that's how we got to where we got into the 16th inning, et cetera. So I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah. Did they leave Snell in too long? It seemed like he was an inning. Well, certainly, certainly in hindsight, they did. Um, I don't. Yeah, I was. Just, I, I think we, the three of us, we we got we were on the group chat. We we're talking about. Oh, I can't believe they're letting him go back out there. I mean, we we definitely had the thought of like, mm, this is a little too long for him. He's pitched well enough. Um, but I think Tingler maybe thinking about the the World Series uh, game six and thinking mm, I may not. I, I, I probably shouldn't take him out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if you can let him go back out there. I mean, especially he already went far enough, far longer than he normally does. So you're kind of pushing the envelope on the other side. I do get it. It's like the Dodgers weren't touching him, like just weren't, he was dominating them once again, which is another thing that I just don't understand how he's absolute trash versus the rest of the league. For some reason, he starts pitching against the Dodgers and I know lefty pitcher, Dodgers faced a lefty uh, last night against the Rockies in Freeland and he carved them up 
which I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. It just happens. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a little weird that he ends up just dominating us like that. Yeah. Trey Turner was the trade diet was the trade deadline gem in terms of position players for the Dodgers. You pointed out Adam Frazier, who's just been laughably bad for the Padres. Yep. An all-star in the first half dating back to before the angels game that they won 227 batting average for Frazier 272 on base, which is just horrendous. Zero home runs has no power. I don't know what's going wrong with AJ Preller, but he kind of failed at the trade deadline. Regardless, there was one other game worth talking about you Darvish against Max Scherzer Dodgers weren't able to touch you Darvish all season long. But that was prior to Darvish having kind of a second half meltdown. I believe entering that game, he was 0-5 with like a 7-something ERA. He had just come off the IL back injury. He also has some lingering hip issues. So the Dodgers were coming out swinging this time. And Austin Barnes set the tone right away in his first at-bat, blasts a two-run home run off Darvish, gave the Dodgers a 2-0 lead. Meanwhile, Max Scherzer has just been lights out for the Dodgers. He pitched seven and two-thirds innings. 10 strikeouts, only two hits surrendered. And of course, no runs, one walk. You would not think this guy is 37 because he is pitching right now as if he's in his prime. Since putting on a Dodgers uniform, he is 4-0 with a 155 ERA over 29 innings with 41 strikeouts. Right. And think about some of the opponents he's faced so far, the Astros, the Padres. Um, These are, you know, the Padres are supposed to be one of the elite teams and they're still a, you know, a, pl- a team that's in playoff contention Astros certainly at the top of the AOS. I mean, these are high profile, high uh, octane starts, and there are not many people out there in the rest of the major leagues that you could trust with, with that assignment. And we have two of them, three of them. If you include Urias, I'm talking about Bueller, Scherzer and Urias. I mean, it's just unbelievable the just the the poise and 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 just dominance that they are able to show when the stakes are the highest. And Scherzer has just been a dream. So Clay Kershaw continues to ramp up. He's thrown bullpen side sessions. He might have gotten a simulated game in there, but he hasn't thrown more than I believe twenty five to thirty pitches. I don't know where Kershaw stands right now. There's a certain possibility he comes back as a reliever. I really mm. hope that is not the case. What do the Dodgers need to do with Clayton Kershaw or what kind of role does Clayton Kershaw need to embrace? I know it's kind of a loaded question, but to make things easier, I think if Kershaw is able to build himself up enough, I think he has to start the games, even if he isn't able to pitch deep, because I just think I would rather him come out of the gates first as opposed to coming into the game later so that if he isn't right, at least that gives the Dodgers more time to make up a deficit. We've seen Kershaw have flashes of brilliance coming out of the bullpen in the playoffs. We have, uh, there is that, you know, if, if Dave Roberts had taken him out in the NLDS in 2019, it would have been awesome if he had, he just gotten Adam Eaton, right. Um, and then, and then a few years prior to that, he came out and, uh, saved Kenley Jansen, who was overworked and, and saved the, saved the game, uh, against the nationals again. But with that aside, I'm with you. I don't want him coming out of the bullpen if we can help it. I mean, this guy, as we know, is a creature freak of habit. 
and he goes through his pregame routines and he gets his mind right to start these games. And it's a different beast coming out of that bullpen. You don't get the luxuries that you normally would get if you were starting, which is part of the reason why I hate the opener. It's like, you know, the Dodgers tried to throw out Bruce Star Gratterall against the Rockies and Charlie Blackman, who hasn't been hitting well at all this season, cranks a two-run shot off, and now you're down to nothing already. Instead of having Andre Jackson, who can start, Mitch White, who can start, similar with Kershaw, he's a starter. Don't change their um, don't change their routine. I'm with you. If he goes out there and can only go three or four innings, fine. Turn it into a bullpen game. But don't have him be the quote-unquote bulk guy coming out of the pen. I don't think that that's the right move. And especially if you need him to start in the playoffs, he needs to get in that routine again of starting. Whether or not he goes long is one thing. But as we found out last season, the Dodgers desperately did need more starters in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate because Kershaw was having a fantastic season prior to the elbow injury. He's been out for over 60 days now, and we're hoping we can get him back sometime in September. But I don't know. It's just very unfortunate because the Dodgers essentially are riding three starting pitchers right now. David Price is that fourth starter, but he is pretty much the prototypical fifth starter where you just don't know what you're going to get with David Price every fifth day. There's some days where he comes out there, he throws five to six brilliant innings, And then there are other days where he comes out there, he goes three innings or four innings, and he just does not look right, and the team hits him hard. He's not striking out a lot of guys either. I don't know. He kind of just gives me, like, flashbacks to when they had Dan Heron or Chris Capuano. You just never know what you're going to get with David Price. I don't really feel comfortable riding into a postseason series with Price as that fourth starter. No, absolutely not. Um, Even though David Price has had really good playoff you know, performances, uh, in the past, uh, most recently in 2018 in the world series, but yeah, he just, does, it does not, uh, instill a lot of confidence in me, uh, each time out. It, it's kind of a, a crap shoot when he goes out there, he has been decent though. And I'd much rather, you know, at least to the end of the rest of the season, I'd much rather have him start, um, and fill one of those rotation spots than have to do a bullpen game. But let me ask you, you may not know this, Kevin, but what's going on with Danny Duffy? Like, is he ever going to pitch for us? So Danny Duffy is allowed to come off the aisle. I believe it's September 6th or 5th because they did also place him on the 60 day IL. We don't hear too much about where he's at in terms of his health. It's kind of been a questionable trade deadline acquisition, although he essentially came over for free. But I think we'll know in a day or two where Danny Duffy's at. I've been saying all along, he's going to be a reliever. There's just no way at this point he's stretched out to be a starter. But Justin Brule, man, he has really stepped up. And he's he surpassed Victor Gonzalez as like their second lefty out of the pen now. Yeah, and that's pretty clear because they demoted Gonzalez to AAA. September call-ups are around the corner, but it's not going to be like in years past where you have 40 men on the roster. You only get two extra men, so it's going to be a 28-man September call September roster. And we're getting down to the thick of things. And Victor Gonzalez is on that outside look again right now in terms of the playoff roster because it's just tough. Garrett Clevenger went down with an injury. Alex Vessia is that clear number one option now. 
But yeah, it's going to come down to Brule, who they've been actually throwing out in a lot of high leverage situations. And for the most part, he's getting the job done as compared to Victor Gonzalez, who they gave him so many ample opportunities and he blew a lot of them. Right. And like I've been saying, I think I think for Gonzalez, he set the bar too high for himself last year. And I'm not saying that he should have pitched, you know, more mediocre, you know, or, or lesser, you know, I mean, that's not what I'm saying, but I just think that he was so lights out, so dependable that this year it was like, okay, so if you did it last year, you're going to do it this year. And we know he struggled with some knee issues and who knows really what's, what, what's going on uh, between the ears, but um, yeah, he's just not been effective at all. Very hittable. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's great that, that Vessi has kind of had this second wind, right? I mean, when he first came up, it, he was a disaster. Um, and now he is our best high leverage lefty and just love the way he gets fired up after a big strikeout coming off the mound, screaming. And then, <laughs> and then when he has to give his umpire, his hat and his glove, he's like, yeah, check this dick. Like, you know, like, <laughs> let, let me, let me get on with my day. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't need any sticky stuff. This is all me on the mound kind of thing. So I, I really love his attitude. And um, also really like Shane Green. I know he had a rough uh, first outing, but since then, him he was great in the extra inning game. Uh, he pitched last night against the Rockies. He looked really sharp. Doesn't throw the ball all that hard, but he spins the shit out of it. Yeah, and and he's very and and, and, and that ball moves, man. Yeah, he threw a slider to one of those Rockies, and it, it went off his leg, but he still swung on and missed for strike. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, Shane Green over his last three games, and he closed one. He closed that 16-inning game out. Last three games, hasn't given up a run, four strikeouts. And just another guy. We, you know, the last time we talked about Green, I said he's probably not going to be one of their top high-leverage guys. But honestly, between Brewstar Gratterall and Shane Green, you got to go with the guy that's going to miss bats more. And it, it's a back-and-forth thing. It could be Gratterall one day, Green next the next day. But right now, I kind of – give the edge to green just because he has more experience. And that first, that first outing was just a fluke. He hadn't pitched in a couple weeks. It was a new team. I'm sure he had a little, little nerves, butterflies in his stomach, but the Dodgers are going to work with him. They're not going to sign a guy to this magnitude of experience and then just DFA him a few days later, as yeah. opposed to Naftali Feliz, who I believe what was funny with him was there were five different situations where he was warming up in the bullpen but they didn't go to him. And then finally that sixth time they actually gave him one inning. And then of course, I think two days later they did designate him for assignment. And he pitched well too. It looked, he looked good in that one outing. So I don't know what, what, what the hell is going on. There. <laughs> I want to laugh at the Padres just for a minute because <laughs> do it. Also, where, where did all their fans go? It was like, they, they completely disappeared from Twitter. It's, you know, their, their main, their main target, David Rosenthal was, was firing shots left and right. And they weren't taking the bait and they were, they basically gone inside their turtle shells and they're, they're not coming back out because their team is playing like garbage. Spot on. And what I was going to say about the Padres, first of all, I believe most of their fan base are newer fans or at least new fans to the Padres. Second of all, a lot of them were giving us such a hard time for winning the world series in a 60 game season. And I said this a year ago, I don't think the Padres in a 162 last season even make the playoffs. So you could call their wild card parade a Mickey mouse parade because that team was literally clinging on by a thread. Lamont was hurt. Clevenger was about to blow out his arm. 
we saw in the, in the NLDS Clevenger then did officially tear his elbow. I don't know what other injury is going to happen, but regardless, it's proven this season that 162 games was too long for this Padres team. They just did not build their roster properly to withstand a long season. And I feel like that's something that AJ Preller continues to mess up time and time again. We saw it in 2015 when the Padres made a plethora of moves. They got Justin Upton, Craig Kimbrell, James Shields, Matt Kemp. The list yep. goes on. There were a lot of experts out there saying that this Padres team, yeah, they're legitimate. And that some of them gave them the NL West without this team even having any prior proof that they were good. We know, we know what happened. They fell apart. Bud Black got terminated pretty early on in that season. And here we are again, 2021, pretty new Padres team, Blake Snell, you Darvish, both acquisitions in the off season, Adam Frazier coming over in the deadline point is this Padres team really has yet to prove that they are a contender. And I think that's something you've attested to in the past. Like, if you want to call yourself the best, you got to prove it first. Oh yeah. I mean, the proving it in the regular season, sweeping the Dodgers or whatever, that's great. You know, that's, that's what you should be doing. You should be beating the best teams in the regular season. That doesn't mean anything. You, you either have to win the division or if you make the playoffs, you got to beat the Dodgers. That's those are the only two ways that you're going to start to build credit. And even then, I mean, the Dodgers have seven World Series titles on uh, to their zero. Um, the, 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 the conversation kind of stops there. And I, I did think that the moves that Preller made in the offseason with Darvish and Snell, we talked about it. They were good moves and they've been decent. Snell's not really been that great. Darvish has. Um, hasn't been great since they cracked on, on the yeah. sick, sticky stuff. Exactly. So I don't know what's going on there, but, um, yeah. And we said it, I was like, these moves are great. Prove it though. Get on the field. That's what we're, that's what we had to wait for. And we've waited and waited and waited. And this team is just not that good. And it, and it's kind of, it's kind of a head scratcher too, because they've got really good players, but for some reason they just, they can't put it together. Adam Frazier's just absolutely fallen off the map that Fernando Tatis Jr. is carrying that team and that's, and he'll probably win NL MVP, but you know, what does that, what does that mean when your team may not even make the playoffs? Good, good point. And they now trail the Cincinnati Reds in the second wild card spot by two games. Got to quote this clown, Ben Higgins SD. I believe he's part of that Ben and Wood show. Maybe I'm wrong, but regardless, He's verified. He said back on August 9th that the Padres are closer to the Dodgers than the Reds are to the Padres. Since that <laughs> Dodgers sweep of the Padres, the Padres have fallen back 13 and a half. Now it's now it's going to be 12 and a half because the Dodgers dropped the game and the Padres won. But regardless, if you're 12 and a half back after talking that much smack, it's embarrassing. Yeah, and it is. And I just said they're two games behind the Reds, not ahead, but behind. And they have a very difficult schedule coming ahead, which is why I'm hoping that the Padres lay it all out there on the line, have to beat the Giants so that they can limp into the wild card series, hopefully against the Giants. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I. Uh, to be honest, I think... Uh... I think regardless of who gets into the second wild card spot, the Dodgers just got to continue to fight like hell to not be in that situation. Because as we've said time and time again, 
like this team is so can be so streaky. And if that one game, they don't, their offense just, you know, does what they did against the Rockies where they couldn't really score other than those two solo homers and they didn't get any walks and, and whatever, what have you, they just don't have it that night. The season is over. The second best record in all of baseball is done after one game, which is a travesty and should be rectified in the off season to make, yeah. to make sure that like, if you do make it to the wild card spot after a full 162, you should not be forced to go home after one game. It should at least be three games because that's just stupid. And um, it, it also is like, it, it, it's a letdown to the fans. It's a letdown to the players uh, who grinded. I mean, that is a marathon se- season um, to go through and to only get one shot at it is just n- not good. Yeah, it's absolute nonsense. And it used to be, if you're new to following the game, it used to be the wild card team was the fourth was the fourth team that got in. There was no right. play-in game. And the 2004 Red Sox are the perfect example. They were a wild card team. I don't know if they come back from that 0-3 deficit if they had to play that extra play-in game. Against yeah. The game. Now, obviously, there's been teams like the Giants who are a wild card team and the Royals, or I believe, no. The Royals made the World Series as a wild card team, but Giants in 2014 world wild card team because the Dodgers won the division and the Giants went on to win the World Series. So it can be done, but I agree with you that it's really a shame that especially a team like the Dodgers, who are the second best record, to have it all decided in a one-game playoff is just a shame. Same thing would go for the Giants because anything can happen in that one game. You know, this isn't like a cakewalk of a wild card game the reds are a good team they've proven it now on the field all it takes is luis castillo to pitch the game of his life joey Votto, who's at a resurgent castellanos who i believe leads the league in nash in leads the national league in rbis and they have a number of other great hitters too such as winker all-star winker the rookie jonathan india so the reds are no joke so i think the dodgers obviously they have to go to bueller after that I don't know what Dave Roberts would have in store, but I don't want to talk about the wild card series just yet. Cause I still think this Dodgers team can win the division. Yeah. And, and given the fact that, uh, that the giants are as good as they have been this season, there's still time for a collapse. There's still time. And this, this team, the way, the way it's constructed can't, it can happen. I would not be shocked. Um, I'm sure a lot of people out there would be like, Oh my God, it's a great, you know, this great giants team. They, they, it's like, yeah, we all knew this was, they're playing way, way above their means, way, way, way above them. So, um, I'm not saying it's luck. Uh, I do think that they are, that they are executing and they are playing good baseball, but they're just playing better baseball than they should be. And so because of that, I, I think, you know, just a little slip, you know, a little five game skid here or a little, you know, uh, you lose three out of four here, whatever the Dodgers are right back there. And I think that if the Dodgers are able to gain some ground on the giants and overtake first place, I don't think they're giving it back up. I think they're going to hang on to it. Let's hope. Is there anything else going around with the Dodgers or major league baseball you wanted to cover? Um, I, I just like the way that the Dodgers have been playing recently. And I think that um, we've all expected them to, to put it together. It's good to see Mookie Betts back in the lineup. I think that they are going to try him again at second base so that 
Um, they're not running him out there in right field every night because of his hip issues. So um, I like that they're that they're kind of experimenting there to keep him back in the lineup and hopefully he can regain some of that uh, fire that he had before he went on the uh, IL. Um, Trey Turner's been looking real good. And um, yeah, I mean, I just think the, the the problem that the Dodgers have is that we've yet to see, even though they're even though their lineup is getting back to a healthy spot, we've yet to see all of them just go off like Bellinger has been in a season long slump. It's been painful to watch him, um, especially, you know, he's batting eighth now. And like, he didn't even start against the, against the Rockies the other night. Um, And then they double switched him in there to bat. It was bad. It was just bad. Um, So the fact that they, that they don't have him, um, you know, We've yet to see Corey Seager really go on a tear, even though he's been decent. Um, and I'm just, I'm just, we're just kind of waiting for all of them to just click at the same time, because if they do, then we're not going to see this sort of inconsistent offense of like one night they score 10 runs and the next night they score one. Yeah. And that's hopefully what September will be. Unfortunately, Cody Bellinger has just been kind of a lost cause this season. There was a, there was a point where it looked like he was about to flip the script and really turn it around. And it just hasn't been the case. His last 15 games, he's been really struggling. He's batting in the 130 range, the on base, the walks aren't there either. That's relatively low. And there's just absolutely no power. I can't even remember the last time he hit a home run, but I know obviously he, he had them in July. It was in that, it was in that Philly series. That was when we thought he was turning it around. He had a couple home runs. He had like four home runs over a couple of games. Right. Um, and it looked like he was turning it around. I don't know what's going on, man. I mean, maybe his shoulder's still bothering him or he's, you know, he's, he has some sort of nagging thing that, that no one's really talking about, but man, he just, he just looks lost up there. And, and sometimes when like he's trying to protect with two strikes and he just kind of waves at it and slaps at it and misses it. It, it, it looks like it looks like a an opposing pitcher up there sometimes um with, with the way he's swinging the bat it, it's it's kind of sad yeah the last thing i want to say about this dodgers team as we're closing out the month of august is postseason is a different discussion because we aren't there yet but in terms of this regular season so far i don't think you can call this season a disappointment just given the amount of adversity that they face They have a huge target on their backs, bigger than ever because they just won the World Series. They have 81 games, and they're going to obviously not finish at 500 because that would be be nearly impossible. But the point is, I think this team's going to win 100 games. There's a reason I don't watch or follow the standings in April and May because just a lot happens as the summer rolls around. There was so much talk about the Padres. Like, this is their year. They were off to a good start. They've fallen off. Meanwhile, the Giants, there's nothing the Dodgers can do about the Giants being in first place. Head-to-head, they're 8-8. Eight and eight. There were a couple games where the Dodgers should have won those games because, unfortunately, Kenley Jansen blew a save, and then he got hosed the second night in a row, blew the save. But whatever, the Giants are beating everyone they face, and the Dodgers don't have a say in that matter. The Dodgers just have to continue to do business on their end. They have one three-game series left. As long as the Dodgers keep it at two and a half and they go into that series and they sweep them, there we are. We're in first place. I don't know if a sweep's possible because these Giants are very good, but they have to at least take two or three. 
Right. And the Giants have a tough schedule, too. I mean, they're facing the Braves right now. They're going to be facing the Brewers. Um, they're facing us. And so uh, I thought the Mets would put up a little more of a fight against them, but they just laid down. And th- that schedule that they had was crazy. It was yeah. like three, three versus the Giants, three versus the Dodgers, then the Giants and the Dodgers. I mean, yep. Jesus, they just I have a tweet. Ab- absolutely got destroyed and they're now you know in third so this random fan probably will never come on the show because i actually don't know who he is but i found this online and then it it went it went went essentially viral on august 13th poor steve Martino tweeted tonight we start a 13 game stretch against the dodgers and sf giants the two most overrated team most overrated teams in baseball. I look forward to the Mets taking care of business and going nine and four, nine and four hashtag LGM, which means let's go Mets. What happened? His poor Mets went two and 11. They won one game against the Dodgers and they won one game against the giants. So I guess the only overrated team for poor Steve was his Mets. Yeah. And the, yeah, the, the Mets have been, very disappointing to say the least. Um, but it just goes to show you that the Dodgers and Giants this season are a class well above the rest of the league, which is which is why it's frustrating the Dodgers could be facing a one game playoff. Like, you know, I, I know I know they gotta beat the Giants. They gotta they 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 gotta jump ahead of them. And any other year, the Dodgers will be running away with this division. I mean, this the NL West over the last however many division titles, eight last eight division titles the Dodgers have won, the NOS has been pretty damn weak over those years. And this is the first year in a while where it's actually a tale of, you know, you know, high, yeah. uh, really good teams and really crap teams. I mean, the Do- you got the Dodgers and Giants, the two best teams in baseball, and then the rest of the teams in the division are basically the worst teams in baseball. And you talk about the Diamondbacks have been awful this year. Um, so it just so happens that we have a two we have a two headed race here, and it is it is quite surprising. I have to say, not from the Dodgers' end of it, but definitely from the Giants' end of it. Yes, and then after the Rockies, two games left. They have a three game series at Dodger Stadium against the Atlanta Braves. The last time they faced off, the Dodgers did lose that series in Atlanta. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to record prior to that series. If you want to talk about that Braves matchup real quick, I'll give you your t- a couple minutes. But I just want to let fans know that check the schedule because there is going to be a Mookie Betts bobblehead giveaway and a Corey Seager World Series MVP and NLCS MVP bobblehead giveaway. So mark those on your calendar. I would love to have one of those myself. Hopefully I can. I don't know if that's possible yet. I'll have to see. But this Dodgers-Braves matchup is going to be important, not so much because they played each other in the NLCS, but it's just because the Dodgers have to keep winning games. Right, and the Braves have caught fire, and everyone sort of counted them out, myself included, when Ronald Acuna Jr. went out for the season. They ended up bulking up and literally taking every outfielder off yeah. the market and exactly. added the, added them to their team, and they've been awesome. Solaire's been hitting the ball out of the park. Jock Peterson's been hitting the ball out of the park. Adam Duvall came back to the Braves. He's been tearing it up. Ozzie Albies, Freddie Freeman. I mean, their, their offense is stacked, and it'll be interesting to see how the pitching matchup lines up um, I know you don't think very much of Max Freed, but he does. He has handled the Dodgers fairly decently uh, uh, over 
you know, the past couple seasons or so, and he's left-handed. So um, that's going to be, it's going to be a really tough series because the Braves are a good team once again, and they, you know, the Dodgers could find themselves playing the Braves again in the playoffs this this year. Yeah. Credit to their front office. I, I will not back down and say that I was on this team. I definitely bashed them pretty hard and wrote them off, but yeah, the front office didn't give up. Jake just mentioned the amount of outfielders they picked up. So they plugged in the right guys. Max Fried has really turned it around. I think we're scheduled to face Charlie Morton once again as well. And then they have their tough I like guy. that. They have their tough guy, Enoa, who came off the IL. And I think we might be slated to face him too. Hmm. And so what about Anderson? I'd, I'd have to double check the probables, but I do think he's pitching against the Giants. But isn't Fre- Freed's also pitching, or did he pitch last night? Yep. First game oh, okay. was Freed. Got it. All right, Jake, is there anything else you wanted to talk about real quick? Final thoughts. I mean, this season's been as as it's so crazy to me because the the record of the Dodgers uh, just doesn't reflect my experience. <laughs> like it doesn't reflect how I felt during this in course of the season. I know there are a lot of Dodgers fans out there that feel similarly where it just feels like um, this team as good as it can be could be even better. And I think we all hold them to higher standards than than is possible, but I still think that they could be playing even better than they are just tightening things up here and there, making sure they're capitalizing on scoring opportunities, not stranding runners at third with less than two outs consistently cashing those in sacrifice flies, small ball, running the bases correctly, tightening up the infield defense. There are some improvements that can be made on the field that I think that they do still need to address if they want to contend with the giants, because they have to be damn near perfect in order to do that. And that's the case. If they really don't want a one game playoff against, you know, the reds or the Padres or the Cardinals or whoever makes it into that second spot, they have to be damn near perfect. And so because of that, they've got to still continue to find ways to improve. All right, everyone. Make sure to subscribe to the incline Dodgers podcast. You can find us pretty much on every podcast platform out there. Follow us on Twitter, including David Rosenthal. I'll drop all our handles in the description below. The Dodgers have a big series coming up next week, starting Friday at the San Francisco Giants. They play for three. So you'll definitely hear from us before that series goes down because that's going to be potentially the season-defining moment in 2021. And, of course, follow Dodgers Tailgate as well. You can find their work at DodgersTailgate.com. But I hope you all have a great weekend. Jake Reiner, congrats to you. You've added a ring to your collection before the Padres managed to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so have you, Kevin. I did. That is true. Yes. We both have rings. We joined the Dodgers ring club. Yeah, we do. All right, everyone. Peace out. Go Dodgers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.